This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. Let's bow our heads. Our Father. Too many people have sung this song and then been laid to rest. I want to sing this song. And I want to be in the midst of the verse when I see you coming in the clouds. Father, we don't know what lies ahead. We've heard rumors that there are trials and tribulation. And much of those rumors scare us. But Father, in your mercy, you've told us what lies ahead in your word in scripture. Oh Lord, be with us, we pray. I ask for the sending of your spirit in this place, that you might give us understanding. Lord, if we've learned this topic before, and we're, we are in error in some places, give us the miracle to change our minds. If we have not heard these topics, and it's going a little bit above our heads, grant us the miracle of comprehension. We thank thee, Lord, that the Holy Spirit speaks through me. We thank you that the Holy Spirit teaches the listener. And in that way, today, there will be perfect communication. We ask for these gifts in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I'm going to give a couple of preliminary announcements um, while she hands out, Liz hands out some cards, okay? I, again, I only printed about 50 or 60, so uh, she's just going to start from the front and pass them out really, really quickly, so we'll pass these out. While she's passing those out, um, I don't sell a thing, okay? I, I do have books for the serious Bible student, three sets of them. So anyone that goes to all, I'm not trying to um, get you to just trick you to come to all the lectures. Anybody who goes to all the first five completely, I have a set of books that I have three of them, and then they are yours to keep, okay? I, I don't know how to do it yet, so I'll probably just put in a basket the names of those that have gone to the first five, okay? And I haven't figured out how to pick it, I'll just, I guess, pick out a box. If you're not really interested, I'll be honest with you, um, just for a sake, and you're just here to kind of listen, that's okay, but if you could just not put your name in the books, I mean, in the bag, so that people who may be really interested in prophecy and study of it can possibly get them, go home with them books, okay? Um, Eugene Pruitt's Deeper. I, I haven't read too many issues that cover current issues better than this book here. In fact, I haven't. And so um, we hate issues, but they're in our church, and you know they are, there are about prophetic issues. Um, you want concise material this day and age, and it's concise. You need to have this book, okay? Deeper. Um, many of you have read Elder Fiedler's books. These are two of his books, um, Hindsight and De Sozo. Um, I love practical application of prophecy and history and how, what it means to us. I love the study of history and what, how it impacts our lives. And so DeSozo and Hindsight, it gives us guidance. And lastly, um, Edwin de Kock's Christ and Antichrist. He actually has a three-part series about 666, Truth About 666. It's very large, and so I didn't carry it with me. We can mail it to your house. Okay, so this plus a three-part series our three-section series on 
666, okay? An in-depth analysis of it, okay? I have three whole sets of those seven books, okay? And they're gonna go free. I purchased them myself. They're gonna go free to you, so please don't let them sit and rust, okay, and collect dust at your home. Whoever does get them, again, whoever goes to the first five lectures, I take it you're, you're probably pretty serious about Daniel, and so um, it's for you, okay? So I have three sets. Three people tomorrow are gonna go home with them, okay? Daniel, after the fifth lecture, tomorrow. And it says in Revelation chapter 10, in verse 2, he had a little book, and what does it say? It is, in the original it says, having been opened. It goes on to say this, that he had his foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. And then it says in verse 6, and he sware by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven. Verse 8, it repeats it again. We're in Revelation 10. It says, And he said unto me, excuse me, 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke again unto me again and said, Go and take the little book, which is open. Which book is this? How many, wait, what books are there in the Bible that it's just recall, referred to as a book? What kind of books are there? There's a book called Daniel, right? There's it's a Daniel seminar, I guess it's intuitive. There's Book of Life. Um, what other books are there? Book of Remembrance. There was something that wasn't quite called a book, but I think it was a book in Revelation 4 through 6. Seals, which that's how their books were back then, right? How do we know this is Daniel? We have an angel with a little book in his hand. It's now it's open. And he swears by him who liveth forever and ever. A little book, open. Lastly, he says... There'll be time no longer. Do you see that in the passage? So there's an angel, one hand up, lifts the other hand, excuse me, lifts one hand, a book in the other hand, and he swears by him that lives forever and ever, and then he declares there's time no longer. Which book are we talking about? Turn in your Bibles, you already know the answer. Some of you said it. Daniel chapter 12. There's no clock in here. I'm going to have to use my watch and put it out here. When is the session supposed to end, by the way? 9.45. I'm a time-aholic, and so I'll try to keep that time as best I can. Daniel chapter 12, verses 4 and 9. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Now in Revelation 10, we have an open book. In Daniel 12, we have a sealed book until the time of the end. In Revelation chapter 10, we have a book that's open, and this angel says, around this time, there's going to be time no longer. This, in Daniel 12, we have a book that's closed until the time of the end. So we have an open book, at time no longer, closed book, till there's time no longer. If you read in verse 8, he repeats himself. And I heard and understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Now I want to show you something interesting. Verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and he sware by him that what? Liveth for what? Ever. Does that sound familiar? Does language sound familiar, by the way? I'm hiding in a hole in here, aren't I? 
can pull this out. Do that. Does, this, does that sound familiar? Except one angel has one hand in the air, the other angel has two hands in the air. Of course, the one angel is holding a book. The other angel is just declaring something. This book that is open, with time no longer, with an angel swearing with one hand in the air, is the same book as this book that was closed with his angel swearing with two hands in the air for the time of the end. This book is the book of Daniel. More specifically, it's the non-understood parts of Daniel. Like People knew Greece and Medo-Persia even at Daniel's writing, correct? More so specifically, the book that was closed is talking about sanctuary, Day of Atonement, things that weren't quite understood. We thought that the Day of Atonement, what did the Millerites think? That it was what? Second coming. So it was a closed book kind of, people understand a little bit, they didn't understand it all, you know, or much, uh, there's some part, portions of it. Now, the time of the end. Today is an overview. There's not going to be a lot of proving going on. That's for the next few lectures. Today's an overview. It's going to be open. When did Daniel say it's going to be open? At the time of the end. Now, what is the time of the end? 1798. Someone says 1798. How do we know that? We're going to talk more about that a little bit more in Lecture 5. But just briefly, when you look at Daniel 11, and again, this is not a prove-it lecture. It's kind of an overview. Time of the end. When will we understand Daniel? And you see th things like verse 35. It says, And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the what? Time of the end. You read about things like 33, like a sword and flame and captivity and spoil. This is the time of... The 1260-year persecution were sword and flaying captivity. So the time of the end is after what date? 1798. I haven't proved it today. And so you can look at that with a little skepticism. I'm, we're just using that today. But after 1798, after the 1260 days, we call that the time of the And what will happen at the time of the end? The book, well, a lot of things, but particularly what we've been talking about now. What will happen? The book will be open. Now, we're going to put that to the side just for a minute. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. So Daniel will be open after what date? 1798, okay? Does that make sense? At the time of the end. You do realize that 1260 days, mentioned seven times in the Bible, time, time, dividing a time twice in Daniel, twice in Revelation 11, one, twice in Revelation 12, and once in Revelation 13. It's, it's mentioned seven times in the Bible. Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. Put that aside. So Daniel will be open time at the end. Revelation 12, verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath prepared, excuse me, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her, uh, how long? A thousand, two hundred and three score days. We know from the Bible that a woman in prophecy equals a church. So the church for a thousand, no, I know I'm not proving a lot today, so forgive me. We're going we're, we're gonna to hit all this. So a church is fleeing for 1260 years, okay? Go down to four, verse 14. 
And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time from the face of the serpent. So she's running for how long? So from 538, uh, you don't have to scramble to write all this down, it's in there, just this is an overview. There's for 1260 years, a woman is what? Running. At 1798, when she stops, so to speak, running, what is that time period called? The time of the end. Something interesting happens. Verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the who? Now, a woman is church, but specifically, which portion of history of the church are we talking about now? 538, 1798. Remember the 1260 years of running and running and running? The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the who? Remnant of her seed. If the woman was the ap not apostolic, if woman was the Christian church, her remnant is the church to emerge. Excuse me. The seed was the church that emerges, and the remnant is the final, final one. Okay? Remnant of her seed. So, let me ask you a question. Was this remnant of her seed before time of the end or after the time of the end? Before, this remnant, this remnant of the seed that came from the woman, was it before the time of the end? I should take that out. Or during, or during and after time of the end, I should say. During and after. Because I can't come before my mother, right? And if my mother came all the way to 1798, if the woman was always 1798, then her remnant and her seed were after, okay? Do you see that? So we have a church at the time of the end, and we have a book that's open at the time of the end. One more time. We have a church at the time of the end, and we have a book that's open at the time of the end. Let me ask you a question. Do you see that? Do you see that so far? There's a church at the time of the end. The dragon may war with the remnant of her seed. Do you see that? That's after 1798. There is a church at the time of the end. There is a book open at the time of the end. So, do you think, do you think that this church might know a little bit about this book at the time of the end? Folks, this is our book. The whole Bible is our book, but this is our book. God started this church. God opened this book. After a time of the end, you ought to know this book. You ought to know this book better than your social security number. You ought to know better than your address. You ought to know better than mom and dad's faces. This is your identity, folks. It's almost as if someone said to you, what's that mole on the back of your hand? You've had it for 30 years. You're like, oh, what mole? And you just noticed it. You got to know it so well. This is your identity. It's talking about you. So what do Adventists believe in? Daniel chapter 2. Gold, silver, brass, iron, iron and clay. What's the end? The culmination? Second coming. We'll talk about why that's second coming, actually. You shouldn't assume it, but it is. Lion, bear, leopard, excuse me, fourth beast, little horn. What's the culmination? Second coming, but right, I'm sorry, the climax right before that, the issue of Daniel 7? Investigative judgment. 
Good. Dan chapter 8. Ram, goat, little horn. What's the issue? Daniel 8. The, uh, and he said unto me, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And Daniel 11, um, I'm just going to say it, Sabbath. And some of you, most of you are going to sit there and say, what? We'll get there tomorrow. What do Adventists believe in? I was operating one day, and my nurse said that. I live in Mississippi, and most are Southern Baptists in Mississippi. I said, Dr. Kim, what do you believe in? What do Adventists believe in? Of course, I believe in the atoning death of Christ. It's efficacious for my life to forgive me of my sins, give me power to overcome it, and to expect him to come someday and to be prepared for it. But what is she really asking when she says, Dr. Kim, what do you believe in? What is she really asking me? What's the, what is the difference between you and I? I'll tell you the difference. We believe in the literal, physical second coming. We believe in the investigative judgment. We believe in the sanctuary message. We believe in the seventh-day Sabbath. One, two, three, four. Daniel tells us exactly what we believe in. You don't have to guess. What is our identity? What do we believe in? We believe in the physical, literal second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe that right now, he's investigating our record. We believe right now, he is cleansing our record in the heavenly sanctuary. And we believe right now that the major issue in the final days will be the seventh day Sabbath. This is our identity, folks. It is our privilege. It's a people and a book in the final days. This is our book. We need to know it like this. We cannot walk up to people and say, what's that on your hands? Oh, never noticed this one. Know it well. You have time, but you can't waste time. Now is the time to understand this. Know it well. Now, I was baptized when I was 12 years old. <clears throat> I was rebaptized later. When that pastor bent me back into the water, and I came out. Did I all of a sudden go out of the water and say, oh, little horns of papacy. <laughs> I was an Adventist. Why not? I was in the Adventist church. Did you know I was 18, and I, that's when I found out the difference between Corinthians and Chronicles? I didn't even know there was two of each of them. That was six years after my baptism. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. God has a people. We sh it should be synonymous. That question I asked is kind of um, rhetorical. I expect most people to say, no, we shouldn't know it coming out of the water, but we should. We should know it. We may not have the total understanding of every single verse, every single symbol, but we should know it, and you can. Don't be intimidated. I'm sorry for those people back there. I don't know about the logistics, how to get this. Done. I wouldn't see the board, huh? I'll try my best. I don't know how to do this here. I'll work on it between lectures. Daniel chapter 12. God did say who's going to know it. If you're in Daniel 12, say amen. amen. Good. Now I've got to say amen because I've got to turn to it too. Daniel 12. And it says something interesting. Verse 9. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Who is God going to allow to, to understand the book of Daniel? The wise. Back up in verse 4. 
Oh, excuse me. Verse 3. And they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. The wise, this is the word, the wise is, personal for wise is wises. The wise, the job of the wise is going to be shined forever and ever. You know why? Because they shine here in heaven. Why did God pick wise people to understand the book of Daniel in the end time? Because they'll share it. Because they'll share it. It says here that the wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They're going to do it in heaven. That'll be your job. And you know why that'll be your job in heaven? Because you've been doing all your lives here on earth. Now, I find it not coincidental. If any one of you are like interior designers, between lectures, can you let me know so I can do this in the right way, by the way? <laughs> Just awkward. I was going to say, oh, I find it, yes. Wait, when you said why, and then you share it. Yes. Thank you. And you must have read the notes, or are you just in the same link here? Thank you. You know what? The wise shall understand the book of Daniel. I find it more than coincidental. What's Daniel 1 talk about? Daniel and him not eating the king's meat. Are you familiar with that food? I mean that food. That story. And at the end, the king said, oh, you know what? Wisdom and understanding are greater than magic and sorcery. Daniel were ten times wiser than all these people. You know how wise Daniel was? Ezekiel, a contemporary, when comparing him to the prince of Tyre, which is kind of the nation that the king of Tyre in Ezekiel 28 is associated with. King of Tyre is Satan's. The prince of Tyre is maybe Satan's kingdoms, or I have other beliefs about that, but Satan's kingdoms. And Ezekiel's trying to figure out to show how, how wise should I tell, tell people that Satan and his kingdom is. And he pauses for a second in Ezekiel 28, and he says, oh, you are wiser than Daniel. I mean, yeah, he might be wiser than Daniel, but if he's trying to think in his heart and mind how wise to show Satan to be, and he compares him to Daniel, I tell you, Daniel was a wise man. Now, why? Think about this. Daniel was a wise man. It was proven in Daniel 1. The book of Daniel be written, I mean, understood by who? The wise. God had a wise person write the book of Daniel so the, who can understand? The wise can understand. So you know what? You read Daniel 1 through 6 about his life to understand Daniel 7 through 12. You must. Have you ever read the book Sanctified Life? Read about Daniel. Read about his life. God, this is a character issue, folks, to understand this book. We have to put our minds to it. We need intellect. We need effort, but it's a character issue because God wants people to share this book. Now, how did Daniel receive wisdom? That might be intimidating. I went to medical school with people who'd never studied. Everyone know Dr. Riesenberger? He, never, he was a classmate of mine, never studied. <laughs> I mean, that guy had photographic memory, I think. I, hate, I know this is being recorded. I remember I was in the library one day, and I was walking down the hallway, and then I don't want to uplift him, but he'll, he'll understand. And I saw him just talking to someone, and he said, Joe, what are you doing with those books? I said, we have a test tomorrow, Tim. And he looked at me and goes, yeah, I should study, shouldn't I, you know? He, he aced it. <laughs> It just made you like, oh, I can't do this, you know? He's wise. How did Daniel get wisdom? Turn with me in your Bibles, Daniel chapter 1. It's intimidating as you look at these speakers. I, I want to go to some of these lectures, you know, that's on these handouts, too. You look at some of these speakers, you think, wow, they know their Bibles. They do. 
And, and you ought to avail yourselves of what they have to share. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. I want to share with you some things, though. And as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and Number one, how did these people gain wisdom? Who gave it to them? God gave. Oops, that should be with the lowercase. Number two, Proverbs twelve fifteen. Proverbs twelve fifteen. Proverbs 12, 15, it reads, the, fool, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is, if God gives you counsel and you have your own opinion, whose will you choose? Counsel or your opinion? What will make you wise, I should say? God's counsels. In other words, put God above man including yourself. God above man. Where's my marker? I didn't find my red one, so. Did God tell Daniel that wine was a mark, mock, mocker? So in, Rev so in Daniel 1, did, I, I assume there must have been some wine there to drink. Did God tell Daniel what was clean and unclean? I assume that there were, may have been some unclean animals before him. Did God tell Daniel how to drain your meat? I assume that the Babylonians didn't drain their meats quite the same way that the Israelites did. Did God tell Daniel not to eat idol, I mean, foods dedicated to idols? He did. If you look, I mean, if Daniel read and you look through the Mosaic books. But God put God, I mean, Daniel put God ahead of man. Number three. Sorry for using different colors. This, isn't, this is more inferred. This is not necessarily um, in the text, but chapter one is talking about the health message. Now, my nurse asked me, she said, why are you a vegetarian, Dr. Kim? I said, there's five reasons. I said, number one, there's feces in the food. I said, would you take a steak and put it around your toilet bowl and put it in the microwave and say it's clean now? I wouldn't touch it. I said, there's feces in the food, number five. I put it backwards. I said, number four. I said, I think we'd end up world hunger if we all became vegetarians. I, we would. I have two children now, and the thought of them starving to death because of me, I can't take it. I said, number three. I said, have you ever looked a cow in the eyes? Do you think they can love? And I said, number two. Did you know there's feces in the food? And number one, I need to know what God wants for me today. I want to understand his Bible, and I want to understand how to share it. A good friend of mine just wrote me recently, I emailed him about midnight. It was a spiritual letter that I wrote. And he wrote back, you ought to be sleeping. I want to know what his will for me in my life is. Health message, number three. And number four, this is more implied than it is in the text. The Bible says that if you will do his will, you shall know the doctrine, John 7, 17. It says, 
And when the comforters come, it shall lead you into all truth. John 16. That's what the type of, one of the typos I noticed. 16, 13. Well, look with me in Acts chapter 5, verse 32. Acts 5, 32. I know what you're thinking. When is he going to talk about Daniel? <laughs> we'll get there. Not this lecture, but we'll get there. Acts chapter 5, 32. See, I'm not here to just give you a bunch of facts about Daniel. They're in the notes, and we will cover a lot of challenging facts. We're going to hit it hard. We have to get the basics down. Acts chapter 5. Keep talking, not turning. I'm probably the last one to turn to it, huh? 32. It says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost. Who, who leads us into all understanding, by the way? Holy Spirit, right? Whom God hath given to them that obey. Here it is. Now, Daniel was a pretty wise man. God gave it to him. He put God above him and man. Health message and obedience. By God's grace, can you be obedient? By God's grace, can you follow the health message? He gave it to you. By God's grace, can you put his word above your thoughts? And by God's grace, can he just give you wisdom? You can understand Daniel. It's not an intelligence issue. One, two, three, four. Now, Daniel might embarrass me on the MCATs or boards if he was here today. He would. I know that for a fact. But you can do this, can't you? then you can share Daniel, can't you? God can give you wisdom. Now, it's interesting. Daniel's, the book of Daniel was written by a wise man for the wise to do what? To share. Who did Daniel share to then? Chapters 1 through 6. Let me ask you a question. This is, I'm kind of setting up my own question. Yes. He shared with his friends. Thank you very much. Thank you. He did. Daniel chapter 1 through 6. Let me ask you a question by setting up. I, you're going to give you the answer by what I just, the verses I just showed you. Who was the greatest convert of all time? Not in God's eyes, but in the world's eyes. Who was the greatest person as a convert that you know of of all time? Paul, probably for the Christian church. I'm talking about from earth point of view. Greatest man. Nebuchadnezzar has to have been. The greatest kingdom. The greatest king. I put a quote in my studies about a passage in Prophets and Kings about Nebuchadnezzar's conversion. Powerful. And it says these are the last words of Nebuchadnezzar after he said something about God. Powerful about his conversion. The greatest king or the greatest kingdom was converted. You know what that tells me? Nobody, nobody is outside the gospel reach. Nobody cannot be reached. This is for everyone. It's not that everyone will accept, but nobody is out of the reach of this gospel. This is the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of Joe. I can't reach everybody. Now, Daniel, God did have to send a special person because he needed extra wisdom. It was Daniel who went to the greatest king. But that tells me that we ought to ask for more wisdom from God, shouldn't we? If you have in your mind and your heart, man, I need to reach my co-workers, my parents, mom and dad, sisters, and it's been hard. We need to ask God for wisdom, don't we? Will God give it? He's promised it. He wants to give it. There is no one outside the reach of this gospel. Now let's look at what Daniel did. One, two, three, four. We can add five and six, but for the sake of the study, we won't. Daniel chapter one, I simply call the health message or reaching people where they're at or meeting their needs. If it's a, if it's a food pantry, 
or if it's a clothing distributor, if it's a soup kitchen, if it's a depression seminar, it's meeting them at their needs, isn't it? Health message. Did that capture Nebuchadnezzar's attention? Sure did. He said, you guys are 10 times wiser than anyone else. Meeting and Nebuchadnezzar's needs, he was a rich, affluent person. I tell you what, health message is a great way to reach him, by the way. Health message, meeting them at their needs. Chapter 2, and I wish I could talk more about each one. Chapter 2, it's the, what's chapter 2 about? It's the first great prophecy of Daniel. It's prophecy, or confirming the word of God in people, telling them that the word of God is true and that you can trust in it. Now, Daniel chapter 2 happens to be a great way to do that, by the way. It's simple. It's direct. It's not very argumentative. You don't see too many movies and books about Daniel 2. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You won't get that contrived bias. It's confirming the word of God that it's true. Now, Daniel 3, oh, by the way, you know what? It's interesting, Daniel 2. How much time do I have here? I need a clock. Okay, Daniel 3, Daniel 2, by the way, after he got the dream, first thing he said was what? Save the wise men, right? By the way, or something like to that effect, it's, by the way, it's reaching the people closest to you, you know, your colleagues, so to speak, but that's a whole other topic, okay? I think David Kim's talking about that topic. Daniel 3, we need to talk about Daniel 3 more, but I'll just roll briefly. Daniel 3, it's bringing people to the point of decision or testing truths. Have you ever given Bible study after Bible study after Bible study? You think, man, when do I just talking about the Sabbath and tell them, are you going to keep it, you know? And just going along, you're going along for ad infinitum, Saying, man, when do I just break it to them when they have to keep the Sabbath? Yeah, have you ever seen, I've been in those Bible studies where you tell them about the Sabbath and everything and health medicine, they say, yes, this is great, and just, you don't see decisions, you know? You want to just say, what are you going to do? <laughs> Bringing them to a point of decision. What was the decision Nebuchadnezzar was brought to? His testing truth that he didn't like very much. That his kingdom was not going to last forever. You know, he made own kingdom, his own kingdom, right? A golden kingdom all the way through and through, right? We're going to talk about Daniel 3 a lot more, or some more, but let's skip. So it's number three, you need to bring, to bring them to a point of decision. Have you ever called Porter before? Who's, who's called Porter? You might have been at the door before. I called Porter. I was terrible at it, but I called Porter. And you might have been at the door before, and you say, these are the books. They're great books. And people go, yeah, 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 yeah. But the worst part is that then you just don't know how to close them. You're sitting there, isn't that a great book? Yeah. It's quiet. You finally just have to say, how much would you give for this book? Just get it out of them. Bring them to a point of decision. I know you, I mean, you might not want that on day one, but there comes a point where you need to pe bring people to a decision. Some kind of decision. Maybe not the whole decision, but some kind of decision along the way. Number four, turn with me to this one. Da Daniel chapter four. Daniel four. Four, four verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he told his friend Daniel about this dream. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was anointed for one hour, I'm sorry, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. Could you imagine, you go to a doctor's office, and you say, doctor, I have this rash on my leg. What do you think it is? And your doctor just stood there astonished for an hour. Now, I'm not saying it was a literal hour, it was a space of time, but let's say he just sit there for an hour. What are you thinking? An hour just sitting there quiet. 
I've done that with patients. Not a whole hour, but I just said, I didn't know how to tell them something. If I did, Nebuchadnezzar just says, just break it to me. This is what Daniel said. And his thoughts troubled him. Can you imagine his face is in consternation? The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, this is Daniel, by the way, my lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof of thine enemies. You see, Daniel loved Nebuchadnezzar. They need to know you love them. Have you read Isaiah 58 before? They need to know you're willing to sacrifice for them. They need to know that you care. Meet them at their needs. Settle them on the word of God. Bring them to a point of decision. Pray about that one. We need wisdom about that one. And they need to know you love them or else it doesn't work. That's outreach. Daniel told you how to share. He told you what to share. How much do we really need to know except go out, isn't it? That's outreach. I want to share real quickly about Daniel 3. This is the issues chapter, so to speak. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, 3, that patience is developed through, does anyone know that verse? Tribulation. Okay. I didn't know patience until I had to learn how to change a diaper at 2 in the morning when my daughter kept on wetting the one I just put on. Tribulation. And so if you turn in your Bibles, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. And I won't read it, but it, if you have it in front of you, check in 2 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 8. We're talking about testing truths. Chapter 1, 5 through 8. Peter gives like a staircase of Christian development. He says, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge temperance, add to your temperance patience. In other words, if I have faith, someone can say, oh, wow, Joe just really trusts God. And then I go to the next step, I'm still growing, and people say, wow, um, Joe does a lot of good things, he's virtuous, he's righteous. And then I go to the next step, and people say, oh, Joe knows a lot about the Bible, he's knowledgeable. And then next step, I'm climbing, I'm climbing. And people say, wow, Joe's temperate. Look at him, he, when he sleeps, what he eats, he doesn't eat late at night, he, he doesn't drink alcohol. But the next step is what? Patience. And how do we develop patience? Through, what did I say? Tribulation. And the next step after patience is godliness or God-likeness. In other words, after people have seen you suffer for your faith, they'll believe you. They'll say, Joe has a lot of faith. <clears throat> Joe has a lot of knowledge. I mean, virtue. He has a lot of knowledge. He has a lot of, Joe has a lot of temperance. But when he, they, people see you suffer for what you believe in, they say, I see God. Verse ch chapter 3. When did Nebuchadnezzar say, I see the Son of Man? Outside when they weren't kneeling? When did Nebuchadnezzar say, I see the Son of Man? Where? In the fire. Who was that Son of Man? Jesus. I see Jesus in the fire. My friends, this testing truth part of this reaching out, outreaching, they need to see Christ in you. Only him in you. It won't work. It won't work. They'll show you the door after you talk about the rapture with them. They'll show you the door after you talk about the mark of the beast of the seventh day. If they see Christ in you, you see how much this message is worth to you, that you're willing to suffer for this message. I see God. I believe this message.
One is what? Meet their needs. Two, sound, get them in the word. Three, testing truths, but they need to see Christ in you. Four, they need to know you love them. And Daniel won over the greatest man in history. Is anyone outside the reach of the gospel? Nobody is. Now, I, talk, I just talked about outreach. We're going to spend the last couple of minutes talking about in-reach. Were there other Jews at the time of Daniel? Could you imagine at the, at the um, image? There were, because in Daniel 1, they said, others of your sort, you know? The, 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 the keeper of the slaves said, oh, we can't starve you because Nebuchadnezzar is going to compare you to others of your sort. Can you imagine other Jews when the music started to play? Dum, 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 whatever. They said, oh, look, a nickel. And they kind of halfway bowed down like this, you know, so I'm not praying, I'm not praying or bowing, I'm just picking up this nickel here while this music playing, I'll just stay a little long. Oh, there's another nickel there. And everyone else is bowing down. And you have the three worthies just standing. What do you think the three worthies are thinking? Can you imagine other Jews during Daniel 6? You cannot pray to anyone else but Darius. And Daniel was his custom right in front of the window. And the other Jews, well, it's kind of bright out today. I kind of just pray right around here. Like this. What was Daniel's attitude? I'll tell you what Daniel's attitude was about these Jews. These, these sinners. These unrighteous people. Daniel saw an image. I mean, a vision in Daniel 8. Of a king of fierce countenance under, and saying what? Dark sentences. And his memory went back to Deuteronomy about another king of fierce countenance of a tongue they didn't understand. In Deuteronomy 28. And in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, it says, if you sin, you're going to see this king. And so in Daniel chapter 9, verse 5, after he saw a, after he saw a beast, a king with fierce countenance and dark sentences, Daniel opens Daniel 9, 5 and says, his prayer, he says, Lord, we have sinned. Imagine that. We have sinned. Not them. We have sinned. Think about the story of Daniel. Turn with me, I was two verses I want to close for this first section. Turn with me, Bibles. But three verses. Joel, chapters 2, verse 17. Joel, 2, verse 17. We'll close. Joel 2.17. If you came in late, um, all the lectures are on tinyurl.com forward slash Daniel Talks, by the way, and they'll be all recorded. You can follow along with all of them, by the way, if you came in late. Daniel 2, I mean, Joel 2.17. It reads, Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between where? Porch and altars. Revelation says, God hath made you kings and priests. Okay? Preach between where? The porch, that's talking about the outside of the the holy place and the altar, altar sacrifice. So in between two pieces of furniture, okay? They were, what were they doing? Weeping. In other words, they were crying. Now keep that in mind. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel 9. Verse 4. There was, there were six angels with destroying instruments. And one with a writer's inkhorn, which kind of is a frightening thought in terms of that ratio, by the way. It's talking about the end time as well. And they were supposed to mark the one with the writer's inkhorn, and it's talking about the people who are doing good, in verse 4. And the Lord said unto them, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark on their foreheads of the men that what? 
sighing and what? Crying. Again, in the end time, people were crying. So where were they, and what location were they crying in? Between the porch and the altar. Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel 8, 16. Ezekiel went, looked through a hole three times, and every time he was just astonished. This third time, he could not believe what he saw through this hole. What did he see? And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar. Where? Where? Porch and the altar were five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord. They were facing toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. They were worshipping the sun, even though the temple of God was where? The sun was coming up, they were worshipping it, and they, were, they had their backs turned to God. Where were the people crying? Where were they sitting? Where were they? Between the porch and the altar. It was their co-worshippers. It was their brothers and sisters, those people that bowed to that image, those people that prayed behind closed doors in Daniel 6. Daniel prayed for these people. I tell you what, with all the issues in our church today, I, I have one plea for you today. Take half the time that you've spent talking about the sins of this church and pray for them, and you'll see change. Now, I say that facetiously when I say half the time. You know what I mean. Take half the time you talk to brother and sister, uncles and aunt, wife and husband, talking about the sins of this church and pray for them. You see, folks, the great controversy is not going to be ended with swords and spears and lightsabers in some celestial galaxy. The great controversy is going to be ended on your knees. It's going to be ended because you're supplicating, saying, and we're going to talk about this throughout the whole lecture series. I can't finish this work, Lord, but it'll be finished on your knees. Last verse, Revelation chapter 12. Let's get back to where we started. 10, excuse me. Revelation chapter 10. Verse 11, the final verse. And he said unto me, this is after the great disappointment. This book has been opened. They expected Jesus to come back. He didn't. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again for many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. He said, prophesy again. William Miller, Joseph Wolfe, Robert Winter, the Catholic Manuel Lacunza. They prophesied once, but they rest now. But the angel says, prophesy again. Hiram Edson, Joseph Bates, James White, J.N. Andrews, G.I. Butler, Uriah Smith. They prophesied once, but they rest now. But the commission is prophesy again. Who in this world is, talking, is this verse talking to now then? Prophesy again. Whose verse is this for then? Who is this verse for then? Are you ready for Daniel? Are you ready for Daniel? Let's bow our heads for Our Father, I am a man of stammering lips and foolish intellect, of incapable ability, and I really have nothing to bring to your altar but a broken spirit. And many of us have felt that way. We're too sinful. We don't have enough talents. We don't have enough time. 
our circumstances make it so impossible to serve you. But Father, if an angel swear by him that liveth forever and ever that this book is open, then this book is open. Open it for us today. We thank you, Father, for that word in the scriptures. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.